You're listening to Transplaner RPG, an all-transgender, people-of-color-led, dark-fantasy actual play channel set in an original non-colonial, anti-orientalist multiverse. The Chaos Protocol is our second main campaign and stars Valiant Dorian, Kai Kay, and Sam Starr as players, with C. Thomas as the producer and Connie Chong as the game master. Transplaner RPG is sponsored by Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy whose director, Dimitri Opines, has asked us to say, and I quote, Please sign up for Transplaner's Patreon, because at some point people will figure out he's a cisgender white guy failing upward, and then he'll be too broke to sponsor us. We love you, Dimitri, and thank you so much for supporting our work. This episode contains heavy subject matter centering around the loss of a loved one and grief. Content warnings include apocalypse, romance, complex and complicated relationships, grief, trauma, the death of loved ones and family, and the death of a major NPC. Arc 1, Episode 32 Grief is Long From Self-Eulogy of a Martyr by Connie Chong Moonlight mourn me Till the dawn the storm cries out, be still my song. A tale untold spills mayhem bright. A challenge bold turns hearts to spite. Dreams of fire raise hungry tides. A scion sworn to war's delight. Salt unbroken cries for luck a fang laid bare pulls deep the cut ash that speaks a burning story freezes warmth and vagabonds crimson sails toward hidden glory lacquers blood on ancient fronds Brother, heed me, as you ought. I won't mean it, I swear to you. Your heart will be the weight of mine, plus scar tissue. Mentor, help me. Mend what's fraught. Braid my hair like you did hers. Plant dust in my soul and watch the ghost girl bloom. Lover, hold me when I'm gone. A path once tread is tread forever. The best time to say I love you is now. The second best time is never. Life is short and grief is long. I never thought this would happen to me. Conceptually, I suppose I was aware. It happens to everyone, right? Eventually. That was the lie, though. Eventually. I had a path. I had a plan. I had a whole journey ahead of me. A mentor. A lover. A brother? Damn it. Just when I was starting to really get there, I... Sing is gone before she hits the ground. Cherry blossoms settle around her. Her body is slack at rest. And their last words, three little words, gasped out loud in an exhale that almost felt like relief. Haunt Strike Team Nova until the end of everything as you know it. She was right. Sayer, you feel her die a second before the lance goes through her heart. It hums through your soul and Sing takes a piece out of you. The tragedy for you is twofold. The omen and the knowledge that you are already too late. What form does your grief take? 
clear scream sings name. Time slows and he feels that lance, he feels the pain, the shuddering, shattering pain. But precepts, damn it all, he was going to make it. He runs, and he runs so fast to catch his sibling in his arms, cradling her close. He holds her so close. She's so light in his arms, like holding a flower in a child's hand. He presses her so close to him as he feels that racking pain within him. The pool of doom and the narrative finally setting and he holds her close and all he says through desperate cries is no 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 sing sing look at me look at me chosen one please look at me look at me please see her a part of you is ripped out torn out. You didn't even realize that part of you existed. You didn't even realize it could be lost. Because it's always been there. It's always been a part of you, but now it is gone. It is lost. Forever. <laughs> Come on, Chosen One. You promised. You promised we'd walk this journey together. Sing, please. And he just, he holds her so tightly, pressing his forehead against his, and he feels so lost. Something died inside, hollowed him out. He's pressing her so tightly, and something snaps. Lumira, time is slow. Not because of the Drifter, or a Liminal, or even because of your own Chronergy. It's slow, because the world without Sing is simply slower. And you know, Lumira, you are one of the finest healers at the Syndicate. You know before you even reach her that she is gone. What form does your grief take? Lumira's had her eyes on Sing the entire time, directly where that lance went through. Unlike with Sayir, where she felt light in his arms, it is weight for Lumira. And she makes her way over to Sing's side and Every step feels like she's sinking deeper and deeper into the wild sea before she realizes it. She is crawling on her knees to sink side. And she doesn't need to check for vital. She doesn't need to check for a heartbeat. She knows and she just lays her head on her chest and grabs her hand and just lays there. Her eyes are closed and her body shudders but doesn't make a sound. It just her breaths rattle and shake. As you press your ear against Sing's chest, you hear something, a rustling noise. It's your letter. It's the letter you gave her underneath the folds of her robe. And Zynan, this has all happened before. 
Not quite like this, but enough like this for the scar to bloom wide open, like a cherry blossom on the wind fading into dust. What form does your grief take? It feels like a door that had been so carefully pried open, slamming shut. And he doesn't feel. He's quick and light. He's all reaction. He doesn't even really understand what happened before his feet are moving towards the last of that inky tendril, the butt of his rifle in his hand. And it's not moving, but it could. It's danger, it's an ending. And he hits it with the butt of the rifle and he hits it again and he hits it again and he's just hitting dirt. And in the effort, he falls to his knees. And he should feel heavy. But he's also done this before. Dust doesn't weigh anything. Not until you're under a mountain of it. And he just looks at where he should have been the shield. And all the stories that he doesn't get to tell her. The future. Again. That he doesn't get to have. Zynan. That final head of the serpent is long gone before that final thud of your rifle goes against the dirt. Over and over and over, you feel chemicals moving through your muscles you feel your muscles screaming from the effort but it feels like you're outside of your body even as you do it even as you slump into the dirt into the soil the weight of that dust finally starting to register over you and this is too much Zynan this is too much it's so heavy it's so heavy how do you bear it feel that promise to the person he wanted to be to his Ema and he can feel their knife in his boot that wisp of dust that tether and it's all he can feel Zynan you begin to crumble your hat at first then your cloak, even your gun, all of these things are a part of you. You crumble into dust. You peel away from the now, from the present, from the material plane, from the wild sea. You have always been half dead, Zion Ash, half of a ghost already. Dead man walking. Being alive right now, it's just... You can't. The knife, though, the knife remains. It's planted in the soil even as you phase into the ghost realm, the realm of spirits. In this place, you are still hunched in the dirt looking around, but everything feels so far away, even your own body. You're far away from it now. This is bearable. You can do this. You can stay here, can't you, Zion? You've always been here. One foot in the grave, one foot out of it. And you see, hovering above Singh's body, in the ghost realm, in the after, you see a stranger. No, a precept. Oblivion. She is the most beautiful person you've ever seen. They have dark hair as dark as the void between stars streaked with strands of pure white. They wear a black shirt with a high collar and a coat 
a stained white coat and glasses, and their eyes are blue with flecks of brown, no, brown with flecks of blue, no, both. Oblivion is reaching down toward Sing, and Sing is stepping out of herself, translucent and formless. Her soul is pink, bright pink, impossibly pink, and she seems unsure. She's reaching toward Oblivion's outstretched hand, but her lips are moving and they are speaking with each other in a language that's too far away for you to understand. You watch them speak, Zainan, for what feels like forever. A man caught between life and death. And then we pan down at the figures huddled around Sing, and we find Lumira. Lumira, we pull in on your face, your eyes, the sorrow, the sorrow. We see a memory. What happens in it? We see Lumera in her quarters, sitting on her bed. And of course, her boots are off and she's not wearing her robes. Her hair is pulled up in a bun and is messy. And she has crumbled up pieces of paper littered across the bed, spilling over the floor. And in front of her are two separate sheets of stacks of paper. And she has a pen in each hand. And she's writing simultaneously with both and puts the pen down and picks it up, crumples it up. She doesn't like how that one sounded. Goes back and restarts. And she does this time and time again, so concentrated on finding the right words. And finally, with her left hand, she finishes, satisfied that she was able to write everything the way she wanted to, as best as she could. But also, she can't help but be proud of the proper grammar and punctuation and spelling that is also in the letter itself. Every punctuation mark has feeling and she knows, she's known her since she was a child. She'll know exactly what it was. And the letter reads, My Sing. I have rewritten this letter a thousand times. For all the words I know, I still can't seem to find the right ones. I think I'm just exhausted of being a coward. That's the gist of it. Fatigued with not being able to tell you the truth. And for a while I was fine. Told myself that I wasn't right or perfect enough to feel what I felt. But I had a talk with Amarjan, and honestly, it put a bunch into perspective for me, funnily enough. And then you kissed me back. And I felt every single feeling poured right back into me. And I have never felt anything like that with anyone ever before. I guess what I'm trying to say, apologies for my rambling, is that I love you, Sing. I always have, and I'm sure I always will. And I'd like to have this, whatever it is, between us for as long as you want me. Because I know on this end, I want it forever. I thank fate for you. Eternally yours, Lumi. And she packages the letter into that pink envelope and flourishes Singh's name 
in her right hand, drawing the little cherry blossoms around it and seals it. And she sticks it deep into her robes, determined to give it to Sang when the time was right. And she just grins, proud and accomplished, feeling the most full she's felt since she met Singin Sayer as a child. In the present, we find you over Sing, a corner of that letter peeking out from inside the folds of her robe. Lumira reaches her hand, her left one, the fingertips that are golden into her robes and pulls the letter out, tucking it back in to hers. Sayer, something ignites within you. What happens next? Sayer is on his knees, cradling Sing, and in turn holding up Lumira as well. The lightness fades, the heaviness begins, and he feels his entire being shudder and shake. And he feels the heat, something igniting. And the only thing he can muscle out in this present moment is, no, but I chose you. I chose you. And on his knees, Sayer alights. A tall pillar of fire rises out of his body and forming upon his blood-soaked head, wounds where his previous antlers were taken in the price that he had paid, a set of majestic, regal, Elk antlers burst forward, beckoning the fire up, up, up into the sky, to the stars. In that heartbeat, I felt something alight within me. A snapping of all control, like a wick surrendering to the candle's flame. A calamitous reckoning that usurped my entire being and left me half hollow. That is how I felt the day I lost you. Lost you to oblivion. Lost you to the tragedy that is our journey. We were brought into this journey together. We were to walk this journey together. But all I have is an unmendable emptiness, held together only by a deep ache. An ache that will never leave me. An ache that claws so deeply within me. A scar so deeply precious that I can never let go. I am your brother. I was to be by your side. And I failed you. And I could not comprehend a world, a multiverse, a journey without my sister. I still cannot comprehend it. What a fool I was all those moons ago. Fearing lingering beneath your shadow. Now I beg for the cool shade. I screamed. I screamed. I screamed. I felt the fire engulf me, wrapping around me like a blazing cyclone. You were there, weren't you? Setting my heart ablaze, fueling the inferno of my grief, pain, and doom. You were crowning me with the antlers of your choosing. Majestic, radiant, burdensome. 
shadow of what I will become. <laughs> Heavy as the head. <laughs> the fire rose, rose and rose. It climbed so high it scorched the stars black. That was the first time I really felt you. I felt the weight of your disaster and destruction burn up every piece of me. Into your arms of catastrophe, I commended myself to you. Let the stars feel an ounce of the pain I'll endure for the rest of my life. Why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken her? Why have you forsaken us? A pillar of heatless blue flame roars up and out of your body, Sayer. It doesn't burn the wild sea. It doesn't burn Sing. It doesn't burn Lumira. It doesn't burn the knife that is Zion. And it doesn't burn the Scions, but it roars up, up out of the darkness under eaves, out of the sink, the drown, the tangle, the thrash up out of the canopy, rising high, scorching the underbelly of the only moon that remains in this cloudy sky. And every single person in the wild sea, they see your grief. The entire world sees your grief. As the fire explodes, harmless in its pain, and the grief comes out, and the sorrow pours and pours and pours, whelming its pitiable vessel too small to contain its sheer volume, she appears. She's there, folding herself out of a jagged edge of reality like a shadow over the moon. Their eyes are brilliant, like parhelion discs of light set into a lion's face, eyes that look so strange against her features like they belong to someone else. Eyes that immediately fall upon Sing's body, the roaring grief of Nova, the destruction of Tianmu. She sees it all, takes it in in a single heartbeat. Artemis. Sing. 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 The grief flares on her face for a fraction of a second, an infinite moment captured in amber and suspended there. It sits as heavy as a gravestone on their features, as bright as a comet, as timeless as the edges of space. It is so familiar, too. So familiar the lines and shapes and slopes that make up Artemis's face that you realize you've never actually seen the grief leave her. It was always there, it's just sharper now. A lance in her chest, bleeding. Then, and only then, do they move. She passes through the space with the patience and ease of a god, where she steps the still smoldering soil steams with relief. There is a brief moment where this figure makes eye contact with you, Amrjan, haloed by the other scions, and in that moment you know she is not a spirit, not a scion, not a god, not a world. Not even the everything that makes up Tianmu. There is a key difference. People, worlds, even gods can die. But she, well, she cannot. And she is moving towards Sing, like a shark smelling blood. And they are on their knees beside you, Sayer. And those warm, gentle hands that do not touch, that are so careful with their love, reach across Sing's brow and gently brush a few white streaks from her face. Your radiant light gives her no pause. Not until the realization finally sets in. It shadows her golden eyes and she looks up. She looks up at Sing. She looks up at Oblivion. 
in the ghost realm, in the after, Sing takes Oblivion's hand. She looks back at her strike team, her family, her loved ones. She looks at Artemis. And then Oblivion utters one final phrase. And together they step into the void past the beyond. And then they are gone. And Artemis... Artemis comes to a conclusion. She speaks in a whisper as though she has forgotten herself. A prayer launched outward as though keeping it inside of her any longer would rot her bones. And there is no hope. And there are no tears. And there is no rage that could fill the void she leaves behind. And then, (laughs) blinking, as though suddenly remembering that you're there, Artemis turns to face the omen speaker. She reaches toward the flames, afraid of their lightless heat. She has never been afraid. She has hunted gods far more frightening than you, Sayer. But they do not strike with violence. There is only patience left in their hands. Be at rest, Sayer. You will have lifetimes more to weep. Rest, child. Rest. And when her hands pass through your flaming horns, snuffing them out like a candle at the end of its wick, it is not violent. It is not to put a cap on your grief, not to quiet you, not to fit you into a box or a body that cannot contain you. It is a mercy. It is the sweet mercy of rest when you have no more tears left to cry. It is the mercy of a hand passing over the moon, letting the world go still and quiet and sleep. She sings you a lullaby you haven't heard in nearly 20 years, Sayer. It was always Artemis, wasn't it? It was always Artemis who could get the chosen one and her fussing brother to sleep, even as infants. And Artemis sings you and your sister to rest one final time. Sleep now, son, child. She still has roads left to go. Sleep now, moon child, he will be coming up soon, and all your tears, all your fears, will feel by the dawn but a dream, so rest your head, go to bed, and lay down your heart next to me. Sleep now, sun child. What was once broken can mend. Sleep now, moon child. You'll be together again. You'll be together again. Her hands, as gentle as the moment they pass through your horns, cup sings face as your fire dies away in that sweet, Blessed mercy passes through you. Artemis leans down and presses a kiss to Sing's forehead. He would have loved you. Good night, Sing. Artemis. 
It comes as no surprise to you when you hear Lumira singing along to the lullaby. The song pours out of her unbidden, unknown subconscious, a melody embedded in the depths of her soul, dredged up by the currents of grief. Not remembered, but never forgotten. When Artemis raises her brow, her sunlit eyes fall on you, Lumira. <sighs> Lumira. There is a half smile on their face. And suddenly you are eight years old again. And this is all just another nightmare from your first months in the syndicate. Artemis looks down at you. As she looked down at you then, and there is something so familiar and so strange at the corners of her face. Love. You always did like to sing along, my fairest star. Artemis's hand passes over yours. The gold crawling up your fingers had not receded when you broke free of the drifter's luminal. It had continued to grow at an agonizingly slow pace past your first knuckle, approaching the second. When Artemis's skin brushes yours, it stops. Subsumed by the patron saint, exactly like Sayer's agony had been. She looks at your Midas touched fingertips, the mask of emotion filtering through many faces of the moon, and she comes to a conclusion and says nothing of it. Instead, that same hand moves to your temple, stroking down your face, wiping a tear from the corner of your eye. Always the bravest girl in the room, always the most focused mind, always watching, always thinking, you child of Kronos. She leans down and presses a kiss to your forehead, as she had done for Sing. For a moment it seems that's all she wants to say, but something stops them, some pressure shift, some echoing memory ringing around in their mind, and Artemis leans down toward you, speaking so low into your ear that not even the dust or the ash or the saplings or the dirt could overhear you. She says, you will find the truth one day, Lumira. This pain has a design. Do not stop looking for it. And then she pulls away, lifts off the ground and goes looking for a ghost. It's like you're in two places at once, Zynan, seeing two different versions of the same person. You've been here before. Done this before. You lay under the desiccated husk of a tree in Kesiki, in the wild sea. And you cannot hold on to your life much longer. You are a dead man walking and you can go no farther than this. You are waiting for oblivion to take you. You are waiting. You are waiting. In the dust. No, the ash. You see boots. There are people moving past you, past the lodestar studding. The world tree. In that world, they are agents. In this one, they are scions. One pair of boots lagging behind. Stop and turn. They approach you crunching through the dust. The ash. The dust. And a woman kneels in front of your half-conscious, half-lidded gaze. There's so much dust. So much... Ash. Artemis looks right at you, Zynan. Her borrowed gaze as clear and intense as the day you first saw them here, in this moment. Again. She does not introduce herself and asks only one question. Do you want to live? 
through gasping breath in the dust in the salt I don't know he says it in an echo then why don't you come with me and you can tell me your answer later the conversation goes the way it did the first time Artemis does not stray off script but this time instead of taking your body she reaches down toward your Ema's boot knife your anchor your tether the only thing from keeping you from drifting away 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 Artemis carries the blade in her hand hilt down and does not flinch when the edge cuts her palm does not flinch as her blood meets your spirit and she carries you home. She sees you then, Amrigen. You. And the silence. Hanging back in a loose semicircle, watching these strangers mourn one of their own. Abasi's hand is tight in yours, her tears flowing freely as she looks down upon Sing, her friend. Suhyon is holding on to your other arm, their slight frame curling inward toward you. Their tear-laden eyes fall on Artemis and immediately dart away as though looking at something too bright, too loud, too heavy to be understood. Between you and the stranger is Singh's longsword thrust into the soft, pliant loam of the wild sea. Artemis pauses beside it, and then looks up toward you. It's a clear invitation. Do you approach her? Armagen sort of like does the grip thing on Abasi's hand and taps Sinyon's hand and puts their hands together. It's like they clearly need to hold something. I will be right back. And I walk towards Artemis. Scion of heart. You have done well today. I am glad to see you breathing. I am glad to see your home still breathing. I have, um, you and your friends to thank for that, I think? No. I think perhaps you helped each other in more ways than you could ever know. How can I help now? Artemis looks down at her longsword. Sing's longsword. This sword is a relic too heavy to take back with us. Only those chosen can carry it. May I ask of you one final kindness, Scion? Anything. Will you care for this blade as you have cared for your own world? As you have cared for my friends? Of course, um, we will inter it here. None shall reach it, lest you say so. Myself and the Scions will see to it. A question. Does the blade have a name? Artemis looks at it, back up at you. It does not. May I be so bold to suggest one for the blade of the hero who saved my life? I think Singh would like that quite a lot. And Amarjan will take the blade out of the soil and walk it to where the offering bowl once was and dig it down into the spot. And as she does, these roots come out from GM Moon, start encasing the blade up to the handle. Let it be her eulogy then. Thank you, princess. Of course, um, you. There are many worlds beyond this one, Scion of Heart. Many of them are in pain. Many of their heroes need allies. We go where fate tells us we are needed. And I'm glad, for one, 
that we were needed here, and perhaps one day we will be needed here again. Now is the time to say goodbye. I am taking my strike team home. And Artemis steps back, still holding onto that knife, hanging back for a half a moment to allow you your final goodbyes. Armagen walks up to Numera, kneels next to her, and a not up into personal space. I think I'm a little bit away because she's with Sing. Numera, my friend, you don't need to answer me. I just want you to know that I meant what I said back on the ship. You are my friend. Wherever your home is, whatever it is, when you're ready, come find me, and however I can help you, I will do it. She looks over to Sierra. I'm sorry. We had a rocky start, but we are very similar. And I just want you to know, you are not your worst day. Understand that what Jemu said is true. Sometimes things must burn to regrow better. And she looks around for Zainan and looks at Artemis. I don't know where you're other compatriot went, but you don't seem concerned, so if you may pass this message for me. I would be happy to. I see how you care for them. Please don't forget to care for yourself. It is a heavy burden to be a protector. I'm new to my role, but you cannot carry that weight alone. Amarjin gestures for Suhyun and Abasi to come forward. Abasi and Suhyun step forward hand in hand. And then Abasi squeezes Suhyun's fingers, lets go, falls down next to Seir and Lumira, and hugs them both hard, wordlessly. Her tears falling on Sayer's cheeks, falling on the back of Lumira's hand. She looks up with a desperate, open, determined gaze at Artemis. And tell, tell him, tell Zainan, I, I, I love my dad, okay? And I can tell that Sayer and Lumira they need him. And he needs them too. So tell him that, okay? Fear not, little godling. You will not be gone long. And Suhyun steps forward and places a hand on Lumira's shoulder and squeezes it. And places a hand on Seir's shoulder and squeezes it. And they rise, and they step back to the other two scions, and Abasi steps back toward Amujin and Suhyon as well. And they both know of the egress that is to come. Artemis says one last thing to you, Amujin, before you go. She glances just once over her shoulder. I hope she is kind to you. May fate be with you. <sighs> Sayer, you can feel Artemis at your side once again. Her voice is low and heavy, carrying something that seems to age her thousands of years. Come, little hunter. We must go now. And Artemis lifts Sing 
and Lumira both into her arms, cradling them together in the crook of her elbow and bicep. It is effortless, the care that they hold for you. It is a reality unto itself. Another jagged gash in existence falls open where Artemis wills it, and Zynan's spirit still held in her palm, Seir flickering in their shadow, Lumira and Sing safe in her arms. She carries you all home. She carries you home, Sing. And she makes her choice. I pray that you see it come to pass. And on that, we fade to black. Thank you so much for tuning in to Arc 1 of the Chaos Protocol. This arc was, in many ways, the prologue to this entire campaign, a prelude to the deep, complicated, and cathartic explorations of our campaign's core themes. For grief to resonate, we need to understand where the love comes from. We need to understand Sing, who she is, who she was, who she could have been, and who she will now never be. As storytellers, we always knew that Sing's death would catalyze Campaign 2. This is the end of the beginning. We can't wait to embark on this journey of vengeance, revolution, grief, and love with all of you. Arc 2 will premiere on Twitch on January 6th, with podcast uploads to follow as usual. In the meantime, stay tuned for cast Q&As, holiday specials, and our infamous interlude episodes in the coming winter hiatus. Your support as our listeners, sponsors, fans, and community is invaluable, and we hold immense gratitude for every single person who has taken this journey with us so far. So from all of us here at Transplaner, thank you. This episode was edited by C. Thomas. Our original intro theme music is by Jonathan Charles. Transplaner RPG is supported by our incredible Patreon precepts. Folks pledge to our highest tier on Patreon. A massive thank you to Eliza Fuller, Rose, Cassidy, Jordan, Phil, Derek Davidson, Brooke in Seattle, Spencer, Lyle and Peanut, Mark J, Alex, Hat, Scruffisus, Lex Slater, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, and Charles. Pledge to our Patreon today for as little as $3 a month to unlock exclusive news, character sheets, GM notes, and even the chance for your tabletop OC to cameo in our show. Until next time, Transplay Nerds! <laughs>